Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. I'll polish the leaves, make them green again. The Karcher Window Vac. It's the easy way to clean your windows with no streaks or smears. Simply spray, wipe, and vacuum. And for a limited time only, buy a new WB5 from Karcher and receive £30 back when you trade in your old window vac. For full terms and conditions, visit karcherpromotions.com. The Karcher Window Vac. Effortless cleaning power for streak-free windows. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730 on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan, and we are live, 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 live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, and taking a break from swiping left and swiping right is my good friend from ESPN 730, Justin Thomas. How are you? You know, actually, I did just swipe left. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful day. It's Thursday. Which one is good and which one is bad? I I mix them. I married, yeah. so I you know, I, you, I didn't. You I missed the I missed the away. tender wave. So yeah, it's, you go left for no, right to right yes. for yes. So and, and if you're listening to this, don't you judge because I know you guys have tender on your phone. At least one person listening has it. But you know, it's a great day in Charlotte, North Carolina. The sun is out. It's officially spring. It's warm. My throat you is know, finally starting to you're feel healthy. better. You know, you're, you're off IR, and we get to talk basketball for an hour. So, I mean, what could be better than that? Nothing. Swipe right on this show. You can listen to us like live that. every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. Got some great feedback on iTunes over the past couple of days, some five-star reviews. I might read a, a couple if I get if I get a moment to pull it up. I, I want to read a couple because just some some great words of encouragement. It makes doing this worth it. If you haven't yet, please check out iTunes. Give us a five star review. It does. It's not just for us. It does make us feel good, but it's not just for our uh, narcissism. It, it it helps us climb the rankings in iTunes. Hey, it only takes what two to three seconds. All right, no, maybe it really, 10 no, seconds. you just write a little review. Just Bam. yeah, it, it doesn't take very long. Uh, got a quick correction. From this morning's Hive O'Clock Alarm, I said that this uh, Frank Kaminsky start against Brooklyn was his first start of the season. That was actually, um, yeah, that was actually his second start of the season. Yeah, sorry about that. He previously started against Milwaukee earlier in the season. Also, another correction, Tyler Hansborough's blood is not 40% Red Bull. That's medically impossible. Sorry about that. And one more correction, the American Psychiatric Association does not, in fact, recognize Lynn's sanity as an actual diagnosis. Those are the corrections there, folks. Sorry about that. And with that, we say, let's swarm Charlotte. Charlotte. 
Got a great show ahead. Dustin Pfeiffer, who uh, uh, reports on on the Hornets coming up uh, a little later. We're going to talk Michael Jordan getting more respect and clout as an NBA owner. We'll talk about uh, some players that could possibly be leaving in free agency this summer. Also, could the All-Star Game, the All-Star Weekend 2017 in Charlotte, uh, be pulled by the NBA and Adam Silver? It's a possibility. We're going to tell you why coming up. Also, we'll preview Friday night's game against the Detroit Pistons. But first, we're starting with uh, a Hornets hot topic here. Jeremy Lin continues his hot shooting and second-half heroics, while Kimball Walker seems to be in an extended stretch of funkitis. It's the subject of our first Hornets hot topic. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. Yeah, Justin, Jeremy Lin, and Kimball Walker's mojo have uh, switched places. It's a little bit of a freaky Friday, or, or maybe maybe even a, a trading places. Looking good, Billy Ray! Feeling good, Lewis! A little trading places scenario going on between Jeremy Lin and, and Kimball Walker. Are you sensing a correction soon for one or, or both of these gentlemen? Correction as in? Well, Lin, so Lin's playing hot... Stats are are above his season averages. Right, right. Kimba below. Let me let me read the stats here. Kimba's last five games, four, he was a twenty point machine. Now he's uh, last five fourteen point four points, five uh, five point two rebounds, three point eight assists. He's struggling offensively. Jeremy Lin's last three games, twenty eight minutes per game, twenty two points, four rebounds, two assists. Do you see either or both of these guys? I guess regressing to the mean. Jeremy Lin, um, he's gonna come back down to reality. Um, Kimball Walker, he'll he'll get it right. Um, to me, I think the more I think the most important thing is for Lamb. I mean, excuse me, for Lin to actually play well, and he's playing well because you know he was going through uh, mechanics with his shot, and he wasn't shooting the ball well. And for him to have these performances, you know that that builds his confidence. Um, Kimba, I mean, we know Kimba's gonna play well. I'm not really worried about that. Um, I, to be honest, I didn't really, I wasn't too thrilled when the Hornets were winning when Kimba was, was scoring 30-plus because I felt like he had to do so much. And for Kimba to come back down to reality to have anywhere from 11 to 15 points and, and Lynn score 20-plus, I think that's great because, you know, Lynn, we, let's say he comes back down to reality and he's about a 15-point, you know, somewhere around 13 to 15 points a night. I think that's good. You know Kimba's going to perform. You know he's going to give you points when you need it. Um, I thought it was more um, necessary for Lynn to get going. So, you know, I think Lynn will come back down to reality. Kimba will elevate his game. But I thought, it was, I thought it was great for Charlotte to win without Kimba scoring a lot, and it shows they can win a variety of ways. Yeah, he's not scoring a lot, but he's also not scoring efficiently, and I think that's where the concern is. The three-point shot has gotten away from him a little bit, but he's been so hot especially in early March. He had to this, cool down eventually. Eventually, and this this cool down is, is a little bit extended, and you know he'll have this road trip, and it's, it's not a favorable matchup coming up against Reggie Jackson in Detroit. It was a game that he struggled in earlier in the season against Detroit, so if he, if he could rebound in this game, I think that would be a significant progress for Kemba. But, you know, he's struggling offensively, but he still has those moments. Uh, he had the one, I believe, at the end of the half against Brooklyn, where you go, okay, yeah, it's still there. Like it's not, go- it hasn't gone away. Was that a Sports Center top ten? It, it was a great move. I, that was that was nice. It, it was it was an amazing move. To the hoop, a strong move, and, that was and nice. you know, one we've been accustomed to seeing again in games where his shot was also falling, and the shot has just kind of gotten away from him. 
Uh, but he's still finding a way to come up big. And also defensively, I think he played. He shut down Donald Sloan, who, you know, not a not a Hey shoot, that's Russell Westbrook, right? Not, there. A, not a prime <laughs> not a prime name. I, I understand that. But he did a really good job on him and you know, he's staying focused defensively and you know, I think that's important. You don't want to see his offensive struggles leak in to his defense and, and become a problem for the team. But uh, just going to Jeremy Lin, uh, voice of the Hornets, Steve Martin, pointed this out this morning before I had the chance to. The most impressive thing, I think, about Jeremy Lin's hot streak is that he's doing it, Justin, within the framework of his role in the second unit as a fire starter, as opposed to some of his bigger performances that we've seen this year when he's been inserted into the starting lineup when when Kimba's been injured. And so he's doing it not only within his second unit role, but he's having great performances within the offensive scheme. Like he's not doing anything that's taking away from anyone. He's allowed, you know, other guys are are distributing and and I think, you know, he's playing again playing well within his role and I think that's important when you talk about I mean you want to keep you want to keep the roles the same now as they are going to be in the playoffs you know you don't want to tinker with the system too much and I think he's done a great job of that I think it's great I really do because remember at the start of the season we were talking about the bench playing better than the starters and then you know I mean there was a time the bench you know, hey they fell off. A yeah, little bit. yeah, they they fell off, and it you know it kind of changed things up a bit, and, and things weren't looking too great. And Lynn's been getting back to to going to the basket and finishing. He's you know it's been the three point shot has obviously been very good for for Lynn, but it's been his ability to get to the basket, and and adding Jeremy Lamb back into the lineup has helped because when the Hornets get to the basket, when they drive effectively, they are a better team, and and Lynn I think is starting to get more comfortable with some of the interior presences on the second unit, you know, you add Jefferson in there and you got to figure out where he's going to be and where you can go because you can't go where he is because he draws defensive attention and, and then just the shot, you know, once one starts to go in and, and it starts to click, it's just, it's just as easy to get into a rhythm as it is to get out of one and stay out of one. And uh, I want to play this clip. Adi Joseph was on the pulse uh, yesterday and uh, with uh, here on ESPN 7:30 a.m. and he outlined uh, some of the reasons that Lynn has been able to find more success. You know, Jeremy has shot the ball well, developed built confidence early in his games, and just been able to carry the team because when he is the point guard, his role changes dramatically. He has been excellent off the ball playing with Kemba, but. What, he that that doesn't really afford him the position to score like he wants to, and I think when he is playing the lead role, he can let himself get into more of a rhythm and, and find uh, what works. And what we've seen is in in most of these games, the last three games, we've seen the second unit and Courtney Lee uh, joining the second unit has been one of the most effective lineups they've put out there. So. It's been a it's been a very big week for for Jeremy Lin for sure. Adi Joseph from SportingNews.com joining the Pulse yesterday on ESPN 7:30 a.m. You can listen to that uh, in the audio vault on ESPN 7:30.com. That full interview. So he brings up the point. I want to get to this the the thing he said about Courtney Lee because I found some interesting statistics on that. But uh, first, on the uh, Jeremy Lin front, I like this idea of him being in the the lead role. So he sort of, 
we talked about how he's had success uh, earlier this year when he was inserted into the starting lineup against the Cavaliers. That's the one game that comes to mind for me. Um, but he has been able to transfer some of that same uh, attitude and idea into his role on the second unit and really take a, a leadership role, even when Kimball Walker's been on the floor. Part of that has been Kimball Walker's struggle. And I, I credit Kimball Walker for, you know, it. I think you have to understand when, okay, I'm not, I don't have it right now. I'm trying to get back into a rhythm. I don't have it. Hey, this guy over here, he's got it. I'm going to defer. And I think Kimball Walker has done a good job of that when Lynn has been on the floor when they've been playing together. But but he but Lynn has been taking a lead role on that second unit, and he's been doing a lot with it. One uh, actually, I have two things to say about that. The one about the Kimball one is that's important. Some guys like you know sometimes you want you want to shoot through slumps, but there's a difference. Like if you're just like you just kind of hit a wall, and some guys will keep kind of just trying to jack up shots and jack up shots and not take good shots when somebody clearly is feeling it or has the hot hand and you defer to them. Like after the Cleveland excuse me, after the Spurs game, Lynn's biggest cheerleader in the locker room was Kimball Walker. He would not stop yelling Jeremy Lynn in his Asian accent. He he would not stop. He was so excited for Lynn to be playing well. And another thing I have to credit Lynn for is I think which is helping with Courtney is I've I've been critical of of Lynn, I would say, gosh, he's so erratic. He gets so sped up. But over the, over this stretch of games, he's been a really good passer. Mm-hmm. Like I've, like he, he's gotten it to Courtney in spots where he can score. He's got it to Lamb. And another thing, like the times he gets in the paint, which I still don't understand how he's so good at just getting in the paint. Like he literally lives in the paint. I've seen him drop some dimes to Big Al. That I've said, man. Like this, like he's not just shooting the ball. Well, he's overall playing better. He's getting steals. He's making better decisions, and he's and he's still playing his game. Like he he's still fast and it is slightly erratic, but it's it's almost under control. Like to me, I could be watching the game and say, Jeremy, ah, slow it down, slow it down. You're too deep. What are you gonna do with this? I look up, look back. He's made a play. He's hit somebody in the corner. He's he's dropped it off the out. He he's found somebody cutting. He he's playing really good basketball. And well, yeah, I it's think a good early on, I think yeah, I think early on, Lynn and Jefferson struggled to find a rhythm with one another. But I think they are developing a little better relationship. And uh, I think also, you know, Lynn has the great first step, quick first step, but he's also great at using his arm and his body to create that separation when he's near the rim. Clifford loves that. Yeah, it's amazing. Loves it. And and it allows him again in that split second to either decide when you have that space you can decide can I finish or is there someone near me that I can drop this off to? Yeah, he's been making great decisions. I want to talk about Courtney Lee. Adi Joseph mentioned it in that bit I just played. Clifford, over the past two games, the Spurs come back. Courtney Lee was a big part of that. And in this Nets game, he's been dropping Courtney Lee, letting him leak into the second unit. Now, he's, we, we looked at this uh, a few shows ago where they tried Nick Batum with the, the four bench unit players, and it didn't really work for some reason. The, the, the numbers were awful. Then they tried Kimba Walker, and it worked a little better. But then that started to drop off when Kimba wasn't playing well. Now they're going with Courtney Lee, and in the last two games, uh, Lynn, Lee, and Jefferson have played 9.9 minutes per game together, and it mainly happens into first, 
beginning of second, and then beginning of the fourth quarter, it has a net plus minus of 30. So they're, they're net plus 20 on offense and then net minus on uh, 10 on defense. They have an offensive, this lineup, this three-man lineup of Jeremy Lin, Courtney Lee, and Al Jefferson have an offensive rating of 94.5, but a defensive rating of 55.4. So I think adding Lee, he adds that like MKG light ability to help off of his man, but recover to the three-point line. Something that helps when you have Jeremy Lin and Al Jefferson on the floor together. Two guys that, you know, have, well, I mean, look, you know, when you're playing, I think when you're playing the point guard position, it's, you know, you're going to let your guy get by you every now and then. It's just a fact of life. And, you know, both Lin and Kimba can be can be screened off their man. So Lee helps with that, but Lee also helps Jefferson with his defense as well. Uh, also, the pace of this three-man lineup is 98.7, which is far above many of the other lineups and the team overall. And I credit Courtney Lee has had seven steals over the past two games. Tenacious. Tenacious defender, and he's taking chances, and it's paying off, and it's getting this second unit into the fast break. And that's been key for this team to manufacture offense when because I think part of the problem that the second unit had when they were struggling is that they were constantly forced into half-court situations. Defenses had time to adjust, and especially on, on Jefferson. You know, now they can push the ball, and now they have opportunities in the fast break and on defense where it's not – teams can't scheme possession to possession to take Jefferson out. And we saw Jefferson have a lot of success – both in the second and the first unit against Brooklyn and, and Brooke Lopez. And, and I think you have to credit that to uh, a lot of things, but one of them being Courtney Lee being reinserted or inserted into the second unit. I'm excited we've reached this level of the show because I've been wanting <laughs> to say this all day. It is time for the big man, Al Jefferson, to get some love. When I watched it, I'm going to tell you what I liked about Big Al. And we've talked about this, I'd say about two weeks ago. Um, I said, and you you also echoed it, that, you know, it was slower when Big Al was out there. And then when he was getting the ball, he either was taking bad shots or wasn't making good decisions. He's making good decisions. Sometimes he's missing a few bunnies, but he's making good decisions. And another thing, the best thing he's done is he is passing out of the double teams on time. Now he'll put it on the floor. He'll put it on the floor. He'll throw it back. He'll put it on the floor, he'll put it on the floor, and he'll see somebody hedging. And before the double team can get there, if it's Courtney Lee cutting to the basket, drop off. If it's Jeremy Lin rolling to the basket, drop off. And Clifford, who wants to play one in, four out, says, when we're good, we can get the ball in the paint, and we can get it out, and we can score off of cuts. Clifford might, I think that might be one of his favorite words, is cuts. And Al is not only taking advantage of one-on-one opportunities, but when the double comes, he's making smart decisions. And we haven't always had to be able to say that, to say that he's passing out of the double team on time and holding the ball too well, long. Well, and, and Jefferson is buying in now. He under, He's playing the long game. He's not playing possession to possession, I think, anymore. He, he understands that if you pass out early, you're going to open up opportunities for yourself later on. And, and he's, he's mentioned it. it after games. He I said, look, the, the, this is, the three-point shooting helps me. And he gets it. This is a, he's playing quarter to quarter as opposed to 
possession to possession. And I have to give a shout-out to my man, uh, Rainus on AtTheHive.com, better known as Lamar Matic on Twitter. Uh, he had some great uh, video breakdowns on uh, the notes and observations uh, post after the Brooklyn Nets game where he really outlined Jefferson's willingness, but not only willingness, but his urgency with his passing. Because it's not just, oh, okay, I'm going to pass, because we've seen Al Jefferson hold the ball too long mm-hmm. and then pass out when with you know seven, yeah, eight seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah, exactly. You can't do anything at that point. So you have to not only be willing to pass it, but you have to sense the opportunity uh, before you get into your whole setup. Because once you know, one, Jefferson's setup is long. You know, mm-hmm. he's not he's not normally one move and in. Like he's one fake, fake to the left, fake to the right, and then you know, and then making several moves before he takes the shot. Didn't so, the numbers say that they were better without Big Al? The man has learned to adapt. Two claps for Big Al, wherever you are. Two claps, Big Al. You deserved it. They've adapted. Resistance is futile. You will be. Post moved. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, w- I want to get to Frank Kaminsky and, and his second career start against Brooklyn uh, in a moment. But first, we have to head out to the Hive Talk Live hotline and welcome in Dustin Pfeiffer. Dustin, how are you doing, my friend? Let me let me let me up your mic here first. Dustin, how are you doing? Good, All good. Smiles. Thanks All for taking smiles. the time out to join us. Uh, first topic here for you, Dustin. Uh, Michael Jordan getting more respect and clout as an NBA owner. This according to Adrian Wojnarowski from Yahoo.com and The Vertical. In an article on uh, The Vertical, he mentions Jordan's emergence in the Labor Relations Committee and these labor talks that are going on between the NBA and the Players Association. Uh, let me read you a quote here. Jordan's emergence on the Labor Relations Committee as well as the NBA's Competition Committee has strengthened his legitimacy as a league owner. Cons- of course, consensus on a labor deal is a long way away, Both, uh, but those on the sides of the league and union all agree on this. Michael Jordan is a formidable factor in this process. Dustin, this is three years removed from Jordan being called the worst owner of all time by CBS Sports' Greg Doyle. What's changed? Man, we've come a long way, haven't we? I mean, like you said, just a few years ago, every single thing that MJ did was questioned, was criticized, didn't seem like he could do anything right. And now all of a sudden, he's got a lot of clout with the rest of the league, rest of the owners, and he is getting a lot of things right here in Charlotte. Obviously, the first thing has to be the Hornets, right? You bring back the name, you bring back the brand, ticket sales go up, merchandise sales go up. They start putting the team together. Thought they were going to have some last year with the Lance thing. Of course, it fell apart. But they were able to go out in a big offseason this year when Clifford gets an extension. Rich Cho is kind of, you don't know where he stands. He needs to have a good year, make some good moves in the offseason, and now they have a formidable team on the court as well. So, a lot of good things going in Michael Jordan's direction. And to see this from something as big as the vertical from Woj, we all know how respected he is, um, has come a long way to show that MJ in this process has really figured out how to be a really good owner in this league. And I think another quote that I saw in here, um, it says that he has, from one rank, high-ranking official, he did it the old-fashioned way. 
with a strong ownership ties. He observed, he listened, he wanted to understand the process, and he wanted to serve the players. And he didn't. the players now see him as an owner and not as a player. And I think that's the biggest step for MJ in this process is, even for himself, he's competitive, he missed playing in the league, and now he's finally made that transition to where they don't look at him as a former player now. He's finally looked at as an NBA owner. Yeah, I think that's important, Dustin, because I, I think the, the reputation that he had as an executive in Washington was, was a reputation of hubris, that that he wanted control and that he knew what was best, and we've seen him release some of the uh, basketball decisions here in Charlotte, and it sounds like you know in the boardroom he's also uh, uh, starting to you know listen, observe, and then act, which is always uh, the sign of a wise leader. I want to read you another quote from this article again, Adrian Wojnarowski on the vertical. Uh, he says to think that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver didn't want Jordan nego- at the negotiating table with a union executive committee that includes Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony is naive. Perhaps there's a tactical edge to having the greatest player in history sitting across from those players. Forget LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, uh, Dustin, in their prime on the hardwood. Who are you taking in the boardroom on the mahogany conference table? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, this is going to be a tough battle. We all know how these NBA negotiation processes go. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Michael Jordan. I just really think, like this article says, he understands the process now. He understands what needs to be done, even as a small market owner. And he understands what balance needs to be had between these owners and these players. And, and Jordan, we all know how competitive he is. He's going to want to stand strong on his side. I know the players are going to want to stand strong on their side. But to have the ability to negotiate from being a player and an owner, to know how it works on both sides, you got to give MJ the edge to know both sides and how it's going to work. The other thing is everybody's got a lot at stake, but MJ's got an all-star game coming here next year. There's no way he wants to see some kind of lockout or work stoppage that could affect that all-star game, could affect what that brings to the city of Charlotte. So Jordan is going to come in. He's going to have his research. He's going to be ready to go. And, of course, the players are as well. But you can tell me what you think. I just really see MJ coming in, knowing both sides, knowing what needs to be done. And I think he's really going to come out and have that edge to help get these negotiations taken care of. Yeah, I think that Michael Jordan is – I like what you said about him being competitive. I think he he's not – I don't think when he's in that boardroom or in these negotiations that he thinks of himself as a former player. I think he fully identifies himself as an executive, as a brand builder, as you know the, the, the consummate businessman. And I think that's how he'll approach these negotiations and, and hope that some of these guys, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, uh, will, will have that same kind of, even if they try to hide it, I th- I think I suspect that they'll have that same kind of feeling that Lance Stevenson alluded to when when he was in the same room as Michael Jordan negotiating a contract to bring Lance Stevenson uh, to Charlotte. You know, he talked about the butterflies in his stomach meeting the greatest player of all time, and certainly, you know, Paul James Anthony, uh, they're not Lance Stevenson, and I'm sure they've been around Michael Jordan plenty. It's not going to be the same exact situation, but I think again, there is a little bit of respect maybe a small little bit of intimidation that comes along with looking eye-to-eye with Michael Jordan. Uh, I I think it will be interesting. I did see that Adam Silver, um, 
was very confident that there wouldn't be a lockout. And, and you know, you cert- he said uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the, um, you know, best solution, no lockout, he rated it as a 10. Oh, so he's very con- uh, confident. And I don't think he would say that, you know, and, and give up your leverage if you weren't, you know, sure that the negotiations were going well. So, yeah, and I think uh, another thing that's important to note, and you can speak on this, Dustin, that it seems from the outside that when when Michael Jordan decided to step away from direct dealings with with on court product and and gave those decisions, had it, he has his influence, but he gave those major decisions to other guys like Rich Cho, and he focused more on the the other parts of the brand. You know, bringing back the Hornets' name, as you mentioned, securing the All Star Game, getting a D League franchise, fortune started to turn around uh, because it seemed like he was he was investing in the auxiliary aspects of the franchise while letting others invest in the on court product. Uh, absolutely, I think that's a, a perfect point that you brought up there with the D League team. I think that really shows, um, if it hasn't already shown before that, that he is all in with his franchise. He has a vision. Um, he likes where the growth is going, and this D-League team is only going to grow that. There's two other big things, I think, that really seem into Jordan as a great owner now. And I think the first one is he got rid of one of his closest guys in Rod Higgins. Everybody knew in the past that that was Jordan's right-hand man, and that was the guy who Jordan would go to, and they would talk to each other, and they would make a decision together, and Jordan would have a lot of influence on that decision that Rod Higgins made. So by letting him go when his contract was up and kind of giving more power to to Rich Cho, as you talked about, stepping away, that is a huge move to show that Jordan finally started to figure it out that, hey, I need to take a step back. I need to rely on somebody, even if I haven't been close with them or know them ins and outs from from earlier on, take a step back, give it to a guy like Rich Cho who knows the general manager side, let him make the decisions. I mean, that is a huge step. The other thing for me is, and it's a quote in this article, It says the hiring of Coach Steve Clifford has changed everything for this franchise. And I think you look back when they hired Mike Dunlap, nobody knew who he was. They brought him in. It was kind of a wasted year after the seven-win season. Yes, they improved their win total, but everybody knew as long as Mike Dunlap was the coach, it was not really going anywhere. So after the season, you got to give credit to Michael Jordan. He decided to make a change even after one year, get rid of Mike Dunlap, and he brings in – a guy like Steve Clifford, who was respected around the league as an assistant. He hadn't been a head coach yet, but players, general managers, coaches, everybody respected Steve Clifford around the league and knew what he could do. And I think that was huge to bring him in to run his team. And he's even given Steve Clifford the leeway to make the decisions as a coach, not really step in and tell him what to do. And Steve Clifford's mentioned that number of times, hey, this guy lets me coach the way I want to coach, and he's been great to me, and I, I wouldn't want to work with anybody else. So you look at bringing in Clifford, kind of getting rid of Higgins and giving more to Cho, and then the D-League team, like you mentioned, those are three huge things that really shows that Jordan is finally starting to figure this out. And, I mean, that's when you're a Charlotte Hornets fan and you sit back and you think about those things, it might be fun right now, but that just shows how bright the future is as well in the years to come. Well, and deciding, and, and hiring Coach Clifford went a long way into this, but deciding that they were going to make a run at the playoffs – and and win now essentially as opposed to an extended tank job that that was a decision that was criticized by a lot of people in the national media and here locally absolutely but i think it's something that 
again, you can't. I, I don't think he would be able to walk into that boardroom, into those negotiations, and have any respect or any clout as an NBA owner if he were doing the same kind of things that that are happening in Philadelphia. I mean, you can't. You, I, those two things don't equate. I don't think in in uh, executives' minds or in the minds of of Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony. I mean, you have to be able to look those guys eye to eye and say, look. We're trying to put a winning basketball team together. We're investing in this basketball team, and now we need the help of the players to make all of the numbers work out. So, I, yeah, I, I think absolutely, and I and and I, and I agree with you on that. The, the Philadelphia point, yes, they they get criticized, but I think it's almost amazing the kind of pass that Philadelphia gets to see what they've been doing up there. I mean, if that was a guy like Michael Jordan, and I know he's known as the the greatest player that's ever played this game, but if that was a guy like him running that franchise, and this was going on for this many years in a row he would have already been laughed out of the league regardless of what his stature was as a player. I mean, so to see him come to this small market team like Charlotte where it's even harder to do it and, and figure out a way to make it work um, is pretty incredible. And, and, again, he gets credit for his career and everything like that, and everybody praises him. But people really don't – if they don't pay attention to it, they don't realize how much criticism he took in those early years. And it is great to see that he's finally figuring it out and it's paying off. Dustin Pfeiffer here on the Hive Talk Live hotline. Dustin, let's get to some basketball. Let's go back on the court. Uh, Jeremy Lin, Nick Batum, Courtney Lee, Al Jefferson, Marvin Williams, they, they all they got a couple of things in common. One, they've been integral pieces for the Charlotte Hornets here in the post-All-Star break playoff run, and they all are either on expiring deals or have options to leave Charlotte in the summer. Dustin, who's the one player, the Hornets, out of that list there, who's the one player the Hornets can't live without next season in your mind? Um, If I had to guess, I'm going to go with Marvin Williams. I just think that what he's meant to this team, um, you know, Kimba's obviously the MVP of this team, the step that he's taken this year as a player. But the glue of this team and the guy who does all the small things as a great leader is Marvin Williams. And if you would have told us that a year ago after the year he had in his first year of his contract, we all probably would have laughed and said, uh, this is a guy we didn't even know if we wanted on the team this year. But the way he put in work in this offseason, Coach Clifford talks about it a number of times. He got in shape. He practiced in the gym shooting every day, practicing his three-point shot, and it is paying off. And without him, I don't know where this team would be because, he, like I said, he does the dirty work. He, he's not afraid to guard three or four positions on the floor during a game. And just everything that he brings to this team, I, I just don't see how they cannot bring him back next year. Now, again, people will say, well, this is a contract year, so obviously he's going to play great. But I just think Marvin is a professional. He's always been a great guy in the locker room. And I just think this is a perfect fit for him to be in Charlotte. And I just see that that's a guy that they need to bring back to keep as a piece on this team next year. Now, when you said Marvin Williams, uh, Justin did a fist pump. I, now, I don't know if he just got a really good swipe right on <laughs> Tinder or, or if he was agreeing with your Marvin Williams pick, Justin, your thoughts. Who can the Hornets not live without out of this list? Actually, I, I just ran out of swipes. So, uh, so I don't have <laughs> Wait, any... Tinder has a limit on swipes? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Your, your swipes are limited. Oh, my God. And you know what? To, to be honest, I so can you agree. buy Can you buy more swipes like, with like 99 cents, oh, like Candy Crush? Oh, you, you can buy more. <laughs> I'm not doing it. No chance. That's, That's not amazing. Free agents, then I guess you got to be selective, huh? Yeah, you, you have to. It's it's almost like a science now. It's it's terrible. But about Marvin Williams, I remember when he first came here, and I believe his contract was two years, seven million dollars a year, somewhere along those lines. I was like, seven million for Marvin Williams? That's a lot of money. And I, and I'm a Tar Heel fan myself. 
But then this year, you always hear about guys saying, oh, well, I cut this out of my diet. You know, I worked out on my game. Blah, I'm, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. I'm in the best shape of my life. <laughs> and the difference is, Marvin not only said it, and he and Marvin doesn't talk a lot. Like he said, yeah, I did some things. You you heard Coach and, and Clifford saying, excuse me, Kimba and Coach saying, hey, Marvin was in here a lot putting in the work. And, you know, you're seeing it. To be honest, Kimba, I say Kimba's, you can, you can argue about who you think is the best part on the team as far as Kimba or Batum. But when it comes to the most valuable, most consistent player on the court this year and that they need, it's Marvin Williams. 100% Marvin. It's amazing. I think Doug and I actually talked about it last time I was on the show. Is It was a game where I think they were playing the Raptors and DeRozan was killing us and Marvin went to the huddle to Coach Clifford and he said, hey, let me guard this guy. And we're talking about a mm-hmm. shooting guard and Marvin's playing power forward. That, that's just the kind of attitude that he brings to this team. Is He'll do anything that it takes to win. And I think that matches up with the attitude that Kimba has and some other guys on this team. So I just think that fits in perfectly. And when you have a guy like that who's bought into the system, um, that's a guy that you want to try to keep around to keep that core together and to keep some chemistry together. I, I'm concerned on Marvin Williams, not because it's a contract year, because I believe I believe he made wholesale changes in his offseason workout regimen that, that helped him transition into this older period of his career or this, you know, sort of waning period of his career. But I'm just concerned about the age. I'm concerned about what the drop-off is going to be and and how that will affect his place in the rotation next season and and will trickle down into the – and how it will affect Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky, you know, because – you know, can he transition to be a an effective bench player if they decide to elevate Frank Kaminsky? These are all big question marks. And you and you know, when you talk about his performance and what kind of value that will have on the open market, I just I, I would want the Hornets to be careful about paying him a lot of money if if I the ro- if the rotation situation well, could I change by the agree. end of the year. The one guy I think it's Nick Batum. I think you, the 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 second scoring option that he brings is something that Charlotte basketball has been missing since the early 2000s. And if the Hornets can't bring back Batum, I it, I terrible. think that will be it's not well, I mean that, it's, that would, that it's would just hurt. realistic because he's going to have many many suitors who are swiping right. I mean, Toronto will pay the 99 cent on Twitter to continue to swipe right for Nick Batum. That's not I well, well, here's the thing here's the thing that that I think you said perfectly, Doug, is and this is what's kind of going to be a wild card this year. And it may may kind of hurt the Hornets when they do have a decent amount of free agents. I mean, we don't know what's going to really happen going into this offseason with this new TV deal. People who are like Marvin Williams, who are getting $7 million a year, or could possibly become $11 million players a year. So, I mean, there's so much wild cards out there of what teams can throw at people. So many teams are going to have so much cap money that they're going to overpay for people. So that's where the Hornets have to be careful on who they want to keep and how much they want to spend. And I completely agree with you. I think Batum is a guy they cannot lose. And I've almost convinced myself that I'm okay with the Hornets giving them the max contract to keep him here. But again, Batum is going to have a ton of suitors in this league wanting to pay for his services. So the Hornets are going to have to be careful how they navigate this situation, not just with him, but with Marvin and other guys to try to make it work to get them the right contracts to stay here. Think about the shots that Nick Batum, some of the tough 
tough shots that Nick Batum has hit over the past couple of games. Big time. There are no other players on this roster that can hit those shots. None. And, I, I, and if you I, I give him agree. up or, or if you let him go and don't do everything you can to keep him, then you're essentially saying we're giving up clutch baskets, we're giving up a guy who can hit buckets that no other person on the team is hitting, and I think that that would be a dangerous mistake. One right, guy, can, I, can I take a cop out? Okay. All right, how about this? The most important thing for this summer for Charlotte is most importantly securing Nick Batum, and after you lock him up, you keep Marvin. Yeah, it will be. Uh, I, I can I can go along with that. Big A knows a great. It could baby. be Let's that go. could be tougher than or easier said than done. Uh, one guy that neither so, of us so mentioned. Real, quick, real, real yeah. quick, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Doug. Real quick, are y'all so y'all are okay with giving him the max? Is that what I'm hearing? Because yes. I'm kind of Batum, absolutely. I, I because it's it's just okay. reality. It's not about w- what the money means to his skill. It's the Hornets right. don't have anyone that can replace him on the mm-hmm. roster, and other teams are going to offer him the max. I just I think. I think. Agreed 100%. Uh, one guy that, neither, that none of us mentioned, uh, Jeremy Lin, and uh, Adi Joseph from SportingNews.com was on, uh, joined the guys from the Pulse on ESPN 730 and hinted that, that the Hornets might not have a choice in the matter, that Jeremy Lin could be looking for a bigger role somewhere else this summer. Let's take a listen to that. Jeremy is going to sit there, and I think he feels, I, I, he hasn't said it, this is my interpretation. I think he feels like he deserves at least a crack at a starting job. Um, if he doesn't find that, I could see him coming back to Charlotte for a reasonable rate. But because because he's played so well with Kemba, but this is this is a big off season for him because if he had if he had continued shooting the ball well, if, and if he can do that through the rest of this season, he might find himself with a real market. Without doing that. Um, he still has the benefit of being on a successful team and showing some versatility this year, but getting landing a starting job, even if you are the 27th, 28th best point guard in the league, that doesn't guarantee you a starting job. And um, that's that's going to be, I think, I think that's going to be his goal. There are both teams in New York, the Nets, who the, the Hornets played last night, and the Knicks are both going to be in the market for a point guard, and there are not many good ones available this offseason. So there is a chance that he finds himself a role. It's just a matter of which team wants him and which team will will offer him the best opportunity. Again, Adi Joseph, Sporting News, joining the guys from The Pulse on ESPN 730. You can listen to um, that full interview on the Audio Vault on ESPN730.com. Dustin, do you agree with Adi's assessment that Jeremy Lin could be looking elsewhere for a starting role in the NBA? I completely agree, and I and I think if he comes out and he continues this little pace he's on now after having a little bit of a slump, he's had two big games. If he continues that play and he gets back to where he's shooting consistently and he has a nice consistent play in this playoffs if the Hornets make it, which I think they will, then everybody around the league is going to be looking at him. And, again, with this cap space going up, a team will overpay to have him, even, even if it's not as a starter, as a backup. I think somebody's going to pay him a decent amount of money. So, I don't see – I just don't see it happening where he's coming back here. I, I heard Adi say that if he can't really find a starting role, he he kind of likes it here, he may come back. I just don't see him coming back. I don't see the Hornets willing to pay as much as he's going to be offered from some of these teams around the league. And I just think that after he decided to accept the biannual this year, which surprised us all because that's a pretty cheap payday for a decent backup point guard, he's going to be looking to get that payday now, what could be one of his last big contracts. So I just think no matter what, whether it's a starter or a backup, I think somebody's going to overpay 
what Charlotte wants to pay to keep him here in town. Dustin, thanks for joining us. Where can uh, folks follow you on Twitter for your Hornets takes? It's at Dustin Pfeiffer, last name P-H-I-F-E-R, all one word. And uh like to talk Hornets, and y'all do a great job on the show. I appreciate you having me on. All right, thank uh, you, my time, my man. Glad to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you, my man. And and Dustin brings up a great point. I mean, there if he continues on this streak, it's a tough situation for the Hornets because the Hornets need Jeremy Lin to perform at the level he's performing if they want to have a shot at playing well in the playoffs. But doing that, I think, will open up other teams to who are going to have a lot of cap space. And there's there are going to be teams with cap space that miss on their first, second target and then and then go, okay, we need to address our point guard position. There's Jeremy Lin. Oh, man, he really he got on a hot streak at the end of the year and proved that he could play big minutes and make big impacts and has improved several pieces of his game, shooting more consistently. Let's go take a look. I'm no NBA general manager, as we all know. But <laughs> I've seen your business card. That's correct. You, you That's know, not on your I, business card. I feel like... I, I feel like, you know, my, my basketball knowledge is good and it's getting better. But there's just for there's just no way that one, if I'm Charlotte, I overpay for for Jeremy Lin, even though the backup point guard position is is very important. Like you really need a good backup point guard. And if I'm and if I'm seeking a point guard, there's no way I understand you have to spend the money. There's no way I'm th- I understand he's having a really good year. But to me, Jeremy Lin is a backup point guard in this league. Like, I talk to people all the time, and I say, I like Jeremy Lin for 18, 25 minutes. I don't want him playing 28 or 30 plus minutes a night. He's been great over, over this stretch. But I just, I, I can't see. And you know what? What makes it worse is there's going to be a team that's probably going to throw a good amount of money at him. Well, the problem really for the Hornets is that they do have so many players that they could look to re-sign. If they want to bring back Nick at a max, plus Marvin, plus possibly Courtney Lee, There's they do have some cap space, but it's not it's not limitless. No. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Would you... Or I have a question for you. If Courtney Lee wants to stay, who do you want? Courtney, Courtney Lee, Lee versus or Jeremy, Jeremy Lin? Because I, I actually think it's an interesting question. I think I'd have to I'd have to go with Jeremy Lin because I think that Lin has proven that he can play off the bench if he can if he wants to have if he likes Charlotte which he seems like he loves playing here and he loves playing for Clifford and Clifford's been able to get a lot out of him if he loves that and he he is okay with a bench role I think he could be a great six man could even contend for six man of the year next that. year whereas court I mean MKG's coming back I don't know if Courtney is is going to be at his best playing in limited minutes. I, I can see that. I, I have my reservations on a uh, kid Gilchrist. I like him a lot, but I just feel like he's going to be an injury prone guy. But well, I'd but, say, listen, wait, that's a whole yeah. other conversation. But you know what? I do agree. I do agree because in the NBA, it, it starts with your point guard. You need to have a good starting point guard. Like prime example, the Hawks with Teague. And Schroeder, he comes Schroeder, off, Schroeder, dude, he comes off the bench and he balls. Not only do you have Kimball who's going to give you buckets, Schroeder, and then you tell me you can just grab Jeremy Lin. Like I would like to keep Jeremy Lin if I'm a, if I'm a Hornets fan or even the Hornets front office. I want to keep Jeremy Lin in Charlotte as a backup and for the right price. If it starts, if he, if he's asking for a lot, 
I say we just have you. You have excuse me, not we. It's going to be great. Listen, it's, we don't know the numbers because it's going to be such an insane Nuts. off season, and you'll definitely want to stick with us and at the hive for all the coverage. All right, moving on. A uh, great interview there with Dustin. Man, that was so good. And you it, can if you missed any of it, it was a long interview. Check us out on you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Hive Talk Live. Listen to the whole thing. In love for Dustin, you know, as a as a Florida State football fan, oh I've God. always felt like uh, guys who like the same college football team can talk good sports. And and Dustin came on short notice, uh, came on and and did good work. So you know, go knows. Um, good job, Pfeiffer, and uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah. All right. Moving on to an important topic. It's developing. Uh, I just want to introduce this topic and and we can talk briefly on it, but uh, we're definitely going to be talking about this as this situation develops. Yesterday, North Carolina's governor signed a bill into law that spent less than 24 hours in the public eye. Among other things, uh, this uh, bill prevents local municipalities from adding extra protections for minority groups, including LGBTQ communities that are not included in the uh, state of North Carolina's protections and prevents transgendered individuals from using the restroom of the gender they identify with uh, if it's not identified on their birth certificate. This all stemmed from an ordinance by the city of Charlotte that opponents dubbed the bathroom bill that would have allowed transgender individuals to use the restroom of the gender that they presently identify as. LGBTQ and civil rights advocates are slamming the law as blatantly discriminatory and one of the most extreme bills of its kind. What, you may be asking, does this have to do with the Charlotte Hornets? Well, the NBA have long been advocates of LGBTQ rights, punishing players for using anti-gay slurs, running campaigns to try and end those slurs, and celebrating former player Jason Collins, who was recognized as the first openly gay professional athlete. Charlotte was awarded the 2017 NBA All-Star Game recently, Other bills of this kind have been introduced, debated, and passed in other states, such as Georgia, where the NFL has threatened to keep Super Bowls away from Atlanta if the bill uh, is signed into law by the Georgia governor. And in Indiana, where the NCAA threatened to keep future tournaments away from Indianapolis if, uh, if that legislation stayed, if similar legislation stayed in law. Which raises the question, Justin, will the NBA, again, this bill only got signed into law yesterday, Will the NBA, should the NBA threaten to take away the All-Star game from Charlotte for uh, this law? And, and, and the reason we bring this up, too, is because Sporting News, Sean uh, Devaney from Sporting News, wrote a big article advocating the NBA either threaten or take away the, the, the game altogether from Charlotte in 2017 uh, because uh, of this bill. So, uh, Justin, do you think the NBA will take a stand here? I think they should, right? Well, at least meet on it and, and consider it because, man, um, you know, I've been uh, d- discriminated against, and it's it's not a good feeling. Um, and you know, today as as we push for equality and and everybody wants that their fair shake, you know, this you know this hurts a lot of people. Um, but what what I what I found surprising is, I would like for the NBA to make that push, and you know that um, it happened in Indiana also for the Final Four, right. And and with North Carolina being a Bible Belt, man, I'm I'm kind of concerned because I feel like they would say, you know what, if you want to pull it, you know, pull it. And I I would I would hope for that not to happen, but that also would it, it 
it, it just doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, money talks in, in politics, and it it's not just going to be uh, the opposition to this won't just come from the NBA. It's going. It's all we've already seen tweets from PayPal, who's planning to bring four hundred jobs to Charlotte. We've seen tweets from Dow, who has a a, a big found a, a big uh, company base here in North Carolina, and other companies are already speaking out against this legislation and, and this now law. Uh, but I think here's what I think. Talk to me. This situation is unique because you have an event that's already been given to Charlotte and you have a, a, a bill that is already law, whereas in Georgia, it's not law yet. In Indiana, it was law. It's probably more like Indiana than anything because the bill was law and the Final Four was already scheduled to be in Indianapolis and, and the NCAA threatened to take future Final Fours from... Indianapolis, which has hosted many Final Fours. So I think the NBA will, will come out with a strong stance on this. I don't know if they could take the game away because of all of the different strings attached to this game. I mean, advertising has already been sold by the, the Charlotte Hornets. Now the advertisers, I think that's where the push could come from. These advertisers that have already signed on to, they could be pressured. They, they've signed on already to to the team and to the All-Star Weekend, could they pressure uh, the legislature and the governor? But I foresee a similar situation to what happened in Indiana where they threatened to take away future opportunities from Charlotte, uh, and that could be I think it could be devastating. Devastating. Uh, because, again, we talked about how Jordan bringing the All-Star game to Charlotte was a big step in the right direction, but you know the NBA has taken these stances, and it would be hypocritical of them for to not take a stance for a quality. I mean, you look how hard they came down on Sterling, Donald Sterling, in that oh, situation. They, they brought the hammer down on Donald. And that was an owner of a team. And and so I just don't expect them to be weak on this, but I don't know if there's much they can do in the way of taking this game away. I mean, they certainly could do it, but I think there's going to be more threat of future actions. Mm-hmm. Now, you also have to talk about just in general basketball – there could be major disruptions for the NCAA's future plans because I think there's a regional coming to Charlotte and Time Warner Cable Arena. There is a uh, ACC championship coming to Charlotte, so there could be major sports implications oh, it gets for this worse. as well. They're, they're trying to get a they're trying to get one of the uh, play, the college football playoff games. They've made a push for like WrestleMania. Like Charlotte is really trying to the broaden uh, their horizon when it comes to the sports that come to this city. And, you know, when negative publicity, you know, they say all publicity is good publicity, but uh, this isn't good publicity. Um, you know, so hopefully hopefully some common ground could, can be found because it it could be devastating. And a lot of people in this area love sports, whether it's football, basketball, the college sports, baseball, anything that they're trying to bring in this city. And, and this could potentially block those deals. Um it's going to raise some eyebrows because a lot of people care about sports. So hopefully, um, well, you know, and, they can you know find look, something. we're talking about you mentioned the impacts on on equality, you know, because we can talk about the impacts on sports, but I mean, this is affecting people, and and I think too, there's an impact on how North Carolina wants to be governed because this bill again was put together in in under 24 hours and signed into law. There was no public. There was no time for public discourse. When you look at the Georgia situation right now, same kind of of, of not of discriminatory 
uh, actions trying to be put into place in Georgia, but it's been weeks. It, there's been time for people to weigh in before the governor signs it. This. So I, I just think there there are a lot of implications here, and um, you know, it's 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 a tough situation. So we'll again we'll continue to monitor it. The NBA, uh, as far as when the show started, the NBA had not released any kind of statement, but I definitely expect that to come soon. So we'll we'll continue to to talk about this more in depth. Hopefully, we can get Sean on the show uh, when that when the NBA does. Uh, make their statement known. Let's move back to basketball. The Hornets have uh, the second game in their four-game road trip coming up in Detroit against the Detroit Pistons, a team they've beaten twice this season. They're looking for the season sweep. That tip, Friday night, 7.30. Marvin Williams' injury update, he is scheduled to play. So he's back after that sprained ankle that he suffered uh, in the San Antonio game. I I think that's welcome news for the Hornets. They want to be as healthy as possible on the road. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm I'm not fully healthy yet. I I, I said I was, Yo, but I, I think you I look still, a little contagious. I'm kind of I'm not contagious. No, I'm past the contagious stage. Okay. I promise. Whew. Pistons in the midst of a nine game homestand. Winners of four in a row, but those four: Sacramento, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Orlando. Not the uh, not the not stiffest. The, as uh, as know. one Macho Man Randy Savage would say, not the cream of the crop. You know, isn't that oh, the stiffest? Yeah. When the uh, Pistons visited the Hornets back in December, they were also on a four-game winning streak. Justin, there's a little trivia for you. So winning streaks mean nothing. They, hey, <laughs> they, uh, they they end. They, yeah, that's right. They all Except winning streaks. For the all, State winning streaks. Home winning streak. Winning streaks all have something in common. They all end eventually. They have to. Uh, Hornets are. Uh, this is a a big point, I think, in my key to the game. The Hornets are Andre Drummond's kryptonite. Six games in the last two seasons that Andre Drummond has played against the Hornets, and Andre Drummond is a double double machine. Justin, zero twenty point games against the Hornets, one double digit rebound game, and only one double double against the Hornets. For some reason, Andre Drummond cannot solve the puzzle that is the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, it must it must be young Cody. It's young uh, Cody. It's foul trouble that seems to be. And I think the last game, Andre just didn't look like he wanted to play. Yeah, you got to I feel like if they can get him get him in foul trouble early, because one of the games here in Charlotte, I, I think it was like three four minutes in the game, he picked up two. Bam! And you get two fouls, you you put them to the pine. But I, I want to try to sound like Steve Clifford and says this: It's not about what Andre Drummond does. It's not about what Reggie Jackson does. We have to play our game. I would like to see Jeremy Lin continuing um, this hot streak. I I love this aggression that has come from Nick Batum and, and him looking for his shots. And, you know, we'd like to see young Kimba um, get going. But I mean, Jeremy Lin's going to have a favorable matchup against the second-unit point guard, one Steve Blake, who is, I, I'm pretty convinced, is a vampire. I think he's 700 on. years no, old. No, you can't. You, you cannot state at Maryland, state Steve at, Blake. That's at, my guy. Stayed at Maryland for, I think, That's my guy. He's a years. national champion, too. He was a, That's he my was a ninth, guy. He was a ninth-year senior you know what? at Maryland. That, that was so disrespectful of you. You didn't have to say that. Listen, I'm honest. And what if he goes for 15 tomorrow night? You're going to be devastated if he goes for 15. You're going to be devastated. Except this part. Um, Okay, here's my thing on Andre Drummond. I looked this up. Uh, In the past 10 games, the games that they've won, which I believe is five out of those last 10, Andre Drummond has above five field goal attempts in the first quarter. Don't let him get going. 
in the games they lost, it's under three. And so KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who had a great game against the Hornets, got going early in that last game in Charlotte. Uh, they lost that game, and, and I think it's because – and I think part of the reason Andre struggles against Charlotte is because he he doesn't get into a rhythm early on because of foul trouble and because uh, Reggie Jackson, KCP getting their looks in the first quarter. I really think if, if Detroit's going to be successful offensively, they have to get him going early. So if you're the Hornets on the other side of the ball, if you're the Hornets, deny, deny, deny. Having Marvin Williams helps because he's great at uh, helping and ball denial. Courtney Lee on the defensive end will be very important as well. Stay tuned for the Hive O'Clock Alarm on Friday morning. Tomorrow morning, we'll have more on this game for myself and David Walker. One Time for, uh, let's see, um, uh, less than a minute left. That's okay. Time for one last thing. Here are a couple of fun things I learned from other podcasts. Kimball Walker was on the vertical with Chris Mannix, not to be confused with the vertical with Adrian Wojnarowski or the uh, vertical with J.J. Redick or the vertical with Nick Cannon or the vertical with Paul Ryan or the vertical with Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. How many verticals are there? <laughs> a lot. Kimba revealed uh, that growing up in uh, New York in the city, he uh, loved to dance, was part of a dance troupe that would play for money. And and he credits, he Chris Mannix got him to admit that he credits dancing with helping his basketball skills, his movement. And when he's out there- Oh, I'm asking him about Grooving that. and shaking, right. it's on the record. When he's out there grooving and shaking on the court, it looks like a dance. Oh, oh, um, you know what? The flight of the the flight of the honeybee, the flight of the hornet. You know, I do believe Kimba. I believe I believe he's Jamaican. If I'm not mistaken, I think his mom's Jamaican, and I know Jamaicans like to dance. Oh, oh, I'm asking him about that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's Jamaican defenders crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm gonna ask him about. Ah, oh, I like that. You know, I'm no, a little blind, but I caught listen, it. Listen, don't encourage I me. It. I caught it. Uh, one more uh, one more fun thing I learned from other podcasts. Courtney Lee joined Chris Mannix as well on Yahoo's video series, The Two-Man Game, where he revealed he really respects coaches who are hands-on and thinks that most guys around the league do as well. And uh, that in reference to Steve Clifford, who he says is an extremely hands-on coach, knows his film, watches his film, knows his stuff, I should say. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he won't comment on anything without watching the film. That's his, that's his go-to line. That's I haven't watched go-to. the film yet. But here's what I think. That's funny. All right, that'll do it for us, uh, Hornets fans. Thanks so much to our guest, Dustin Pfeiffer. Always good uh, to get his takes on the Charlotte Hornets. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. Listen to ESPN 730 AM anytime, anywhere at ESPN730.com. For Justin, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. Come on, Hornets. Get us to the playoffs. All hail the teal and purple. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.